think I think uh, ideally, like if I'm trying to if I'm trying to build the when I'm trying to build the best bass in the world, I want every note to just be like pure and like just a very long sustain and like just natural decay. Like every note, like that's part of when I when I test the bass. One of the first things I do is I just like play each note. Welcome to episode ninety-five of the Bass Shed Podcast. My name is Ryan Roberts. What's going on, folks? What's going on, folks? More progress has been made. It is a beautiful day <laughs> in the neighborhood. <laughs> My album, Smile, is nearing the finish line. The album is seven tunes. Five of them I wrote. One of the tunes is by my dear friend and one of the best saxophone players I'll ever play with, the late Zane Musa. Uh, and then the title track was composed by Charlie Chaplin. Nat King Cole had recorded uh, that tune, a wonderful, wonderful version. I really like Nat King Cole's version of that tune. My arrangement is quite, quite different. <laughs> my, my arrangement is quite different. It's a 13-8 and not so much, not so much a ballad. I'll be talking more about the album and when and where it's available soon. So soon. I'm really excited to move on from this phase of it. And I'm also really excited and uh, kind of nervous. Actually, really nervous. You know, there's this anxiety about releasing it. Uh, that's that's a thing. Um, this entire process has been kind of an emotional, emotional journey. But uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned, folks. Stay tuned for more information about the album. Again, the album is titled Smile. All right. I was down at Lemur Music last week, and the folks at Lemur and I are moving forward to present the Bayshed Academy launch party on January 7th at Lemur Music in San Clemente, California. Uh, I'm going to let you all in. I'm going to let you all in on some behind the scenes about this. Uh, nothing has been finalized. We're still just kicking around ideas. But the Bass Shed Academy is not just private lessons at Lima Music. It's not just, you know, this fancy title to go study one-on-one with an instructor. Although that is that is a resource that is available. Um, there's going to be some ensemble classes. We're kicking around ideas, you know, like, like double bass trios, double bass quartets playing classical rep. Um, creating recital opportunities for the jazz students, creating opportunities for the student to not just not just shed standards and work on improvisation. I mean, I mean, let's be real. Uh, for those of you that have done that and are doing that, you know that it is a lifelong pursuit, anyways. Uh, but the students will have the opportunity to perform in a trio setting with professionals and get feedback. You know, so in the trio setting, they'll get feedback. From a professional drummer about about what what a what a drummer has to say. I get feedback from the piano player or guitar player. I get feedback from whoever's uh, you know sitting in the chordal chair. What they have to say, and just build up the bass student from different perspectives, from different uh, instead of just a bass player speaking to a bass player. Uh, by my vision with the Bass Jet Academy is to create as many real world scenarios as possible. Because I think that's that's how you learn is by going out there and being in the real world. So kind of bringing bringing a sense of that in a very controlled environment is always beneficial. That's my idea. 
Uh, I'm definitely stoked about the launch party at Lemur Music on January 7th. You can also stop by thebayshed.com backslash academy for more information. While you are on the interwebs, definitely stop by lemurmusic.com. Everything you need for the double bass can be found at lemurmusic.com. Use the promo code THEBASSSHED, all one word, for 10% off. Check out the selection of strings, sheet music, rosin. Check out some things. You know, you need a wheel for the bass. Cool. Check it out. Use the promo code 10% off at lemurmusic.com. On the episode is boutique bass builder and owner of LEH Guitars, Ellis Hahn. I initially met Ellis at the NAMM show in 2020. Ellis was working as a builder for Sadowski Guitars. That year, I was rolling around the NAMM show with Dan Lakin from D. Lakin Basses, and we were stopping by different booths, chatting with folks, and doing doing these short interviews just to document the NAMM show. When Dan and I got to Sadowski, I started chatting with Ellis. Uh, it was back then Ellis told me about the new company, LEH Guitars. And since that NAMM show, I've been paying attention to what's been happening and the bases Ellis has been building with the new company. You can learn more about Ellis's journey as a builder from the website lehguitars.com. I'll have a link to that at thebayshed.com backslash podcast backslash Ellis Hahn. But here's a few words from Ellis. That, uh, that are a bit of an overview for the company. Over the course of the past 16 years, I've built hundreds of instruments. I've learned something from each one, whether it was about wood combinations, electronics, construction techniques and design, or geometry and balance. The goal is always to create an instrument that echoes back the inspiration put into it. My designs are what speak to me, what feels right, and what I've learned along the way. My focus is on comfort and playability, while creating something that is at once visually familiar and uniquely different. There is no shortcut to experience, and there is no shortcuts in any instrument that I build. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Game on, Ellis. Let's make some badass basses. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Ellis, Ellis is an absolute delight to chat with. Uh, I remember that from our initial meeting back at the NAMM show. And uh, it was fun to connect again here on the podcast. And here is my chat with boutique bass builder Ellis Hahn of LEH Guitars. How you doing? Hey. What are you working on right now? Um, I'm working on a bunch of necks. Really? Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm doing the fret work and uh, getting them into the spray booth, getting them ready for is final this, assembly. Is this the process where you just like focus on necks for a while and then put them off to the side, and then focus on bodies or wait till someone custom orders a body? It depends. I mean, I've been um, uh, working on like a large order. It all has to ship at the same time, so that's why Oof. it's like it's turning into that. How many pieces? Uh, it's six plus there's a customer. So like one dealer is getting six and then a customer is getting another. So it's seven. Okay. It's a lot. It's a bit- <laughs> yeah. There's worse problems. There's worse problems. No, there's much yeah. worse problems. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So you're still in New York, right? <laughs> no, I'm in Portland. Oh, okay. When did you, when did you make the move? Uh, last September. Okay. Not that I really knew much about, like I met you at the Sadowski booth. Yeah. And so, I remember. Uh, um, for some reason, you were still just in New York working, but the, yeah. the company's been based out of Portland the whole time. 
No, no, no. Uh, so LEH uh, was in Brooklyn for a bit, and okay. then okay. I moved. Yeah. Okay. How's, how's yeah. it been in Portland? For some reason, I thought you were still on the East Coast. That's why I was <laughs> when we were scheduling oh, like, this. Why are you doing this <laughs> time zone shit with me? <laughs> Wait. Oh man, I would have picked a much worse country. I would have picked like London time if I was just messing with you, which would yeah. have been hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I, would have, I would have picked a way gnarlier time zone. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I was reading through your website. You started in Chicago back in 02. Yep. It seems like such a, what, what do you find? What was it about the building process? Like I know repairs led you into building, but what was uh, it about the building process that really was it the creation of something from start to finish and really like it was nothing and then you see it through the finish line was it that process yeah, i think so and like the art art vibe of it like i um, yeah yeah was always kind of an art kid sure uh <laughs> i think we <laughs> like, all were yeah i like yeah i like to make stuff but like yeah. that like, yeah um so i think that's what it was it's the creation and, and the other thing is like um i don't know making something that wasn't any like anything at all right you know like well what if a base was like this right it can right. be. What if? What if I put <laughs> faders on a base? Yeah. What? What yeah. if I do that? I'm, I'm coming cool? back to that for sure because I'm really curious about that. <laughs> so you you play too? I'm assuming. Yeah. 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 I mean, I started as a guitar player and didn't really get really into bass until I got really into building bases. Okay. So like about 15, 16 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess that counts. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then working with working with yeah. Roger over Sadowski. I mean, what a an amazing. Yeah, you know, a place to to cut your teeth. Of course, yeah, yeah. it was like base mecca there. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> and like just being in that that showroom and like getting access to that after hours, like you can play any bass through like the myriad of amps and just like right figure it out. Yeah, how much of that his designs did you want to respect, but still also kind of bring into what you're doing? So not that I mean, you're jacking his schematics, but no, I'm not jacking yeah. anyone's schematics, but uh. Sadowski is an excellent base, right? Yes. Correct. But there's there's always like variations on a theme. Mm -hmm. So, and I feel like Sadowski is a variation on a theme. Yeah. So I'm yeah. just kind of keeping in the tradition. Sure. I, think, I would say as opposed to jacking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> well put. Well put. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah that, that's a way better way of putting it. I just straight up call myself out. I jack stuff. I just straight yeah. up jack stuff and. Yeah. We'll call it respect. We'll call it tradition, but I know what I'm doing. I just <laughs> <have> stuff. <laughs> how do you go about as a base builder? Not, um, how how do you go about creating something that's different and unique, which you are? Uh, but I'm curious about the process here. And that doesn't go weird for the sake of weird. That's still <laughs> functional, and you know, uh, with the player in mind. So you you do. I think, I you, think you just answered my the question, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But, but also, <laughs> right, without leaving the player out. But then it's also not tied too tightly to everything Leo Fender did. It's unique enough, but it's not just reinventing yeah. the Leo Fender wheel, which is a pretty nice wheel. It's a great <laughs> wheel. Yeah, it's a great wheel. But you're doing something. You're bringing some new yeah. language I mean, to it. The first the first time you make a wheel, it might not be your best wheel. Your, your first, the first. The first uh, like, you know, th there's, so I guess how it is, is like, if you think about, uh, or I think about often, like the amount of, of bases that I built in my time at Sadowski, mm -hmm. right? The idea with them is to keep them consistent and the same level of high quality, but there's 
wood is wood. And right, things right. are different, but like, how do you get the exact same high quality consistently over time? Um, that's like a series of like lots of note taking and lots of like different tweaks I could do. Like if say that like your left hand felt, you know, stiff or something like, okay, adjust the neck or maybe like the fret level needs to be like touched up one more time now that it's been under tension for a few days or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's like tiny micro adjustments you do to like have the end result all be the same. All those micro adjustments are like the tiny little tweaks here and there add up. And that also is like a wonderful, I don't know, start or foundation for thinking of making something new. Cause you already know like all these little variables that you can put together. You have a great foundation to, to build off of. Yeah. How much time and energy goes into wood selection on that process? And how does, what is that process like? The thing that's been uh, weirding me out or like I've been discovering and enjoying this process is um, when wood is dried, uh, it's not dried consistently, right? It dries from the outside in. And then uh, if you cut into it, sometimes like wood moves. And that has always been just a thing. I'm like, ah, wood is wood. It's moving around. Is this like when there's humidity in the house, you can notice door jams swelling and things like that. Is is that what you're talking about? Like this kind of elasticity of it as it relates to atmosphere? Before the final shape of the base, Uh even like but when it's just a blank of wood. Yeah. And you like plane it flat and you come back to it the next day and it's not flat. Uh And it's not about humidity. It's about, which I always just like, oh, wood is weird. And it's like a door jam. Yeah. But I'm starting to think about how I'm removing a layer and the layer underneath is dried differently than the layer on top. And then wow. it's moving. So now, now I'm not, not just selecting wood, but I'm like doing weird things where I'll like play in two sides and let it sit and then like slice off something on the bandsaw. And I'm getting to the point where I'm getting necks that are like really nicely stable okay. as opposed to selecting for like, oh, this has been aged for two years. It's fine. Right. Right. I mean, because that would, that seems like, to me, knowing nothing about this, that's why we're talking, just so I can learn about this also. <laughs> uh, it seems to me like, well, you would have to do that. You have to just let the whole plank of wood kind of cure and then begin the planing and sanding. Which is what which is what I did. And okay. what I what I like they are already like, you know, kiln dried to a certain spe- like specific okay. dryness. Okay. Um, but even still, the way that they're kiln dried, it's from the outside in. Right. Like, there's no way they can inject dryness into the center <laughs> so it's yes. it's been a weird yes yes yeah yeah <laughs> wait till they bring Damn, the 2024 yes. <laughs> leh basis dryness <laughs> <injected. laughs> right. sun roasted injection looking forward to that no 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 i'll still i think yeah but anyway so that's been like my my new uh thing for like the last couple months is, is thinking about how like the, there's like a tension that's built up in in the way that the wood dries, and if you can release it in the right way, you end up with a really nicely stable neck. Hmm. Interesting. And then is it a similar process for the bodies also, right? So not only the necks but the bodies. You're dealing with two different battles. Yeah. There. Yeah. I feel like body wood doesn't because it you're, it's not under tension in any like it's not like doing the same kind of tension. Sure. That. Or maybe, know, maybe because, because the tension is dispersed over a bigger yeah. piece. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I don't get bodies moving the same way that I do maple blanks, and it could be that they're always it's two two pieces that are kind of glued together. They don't they don't seem to move as much when you take pieces of like layers of wood off of them. They do, okay. but not like as drastically. Or maybe hmm. it's because like if a body is like 
a little tiny bit tilted who cares but if your neck is tilted that's yeah, not good right, right. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm probably really focusing on the minor 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 like changes on the neck and less on the body sure until today when i'm going to discover all sorts of things and freak out and <laughs> really focus on them <laughs> so on average how many existential crises a week occur oh, because man. of this because of the moisture and wood how many how many times a week do you just flip out I don't know if I ever flip out. I kind of like the uh, I like the mystery and like to unravel and figure it all out. Really, so I cut every like thing that doesn't quite go right is another way that I've learned that okay, that but like what if this? You have you have such a better temperament than I do. I would <laughs> I think I would lose it. I think yeah, it's yeah. kind of. I have a, a my best friend back east that's like told me once you picked the hardest job you could possibly do. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I didn't think about it that way, but like right. there's so much. Yeah, she she makes pots and they're wonderful and beautiful, and, but <laughs> and not as look. not as many steps. <laughs> right, right. Um, I'm also I've I've always been curious about this, and I've talked to a friend of mine who just had a uh, a base built for him over by the folks at Federa, cool. and he's pretty knowledgeable about it. But uh, not to discredit anything he has to say about it, but the tonal qualities of different types of woods. Mm -hmm. completely fascinating to me yeah now i i understand it to a small degree um uh, having to do with the porous nature of the wood will change mm -hmm. the vibration sure right um i don't know i've also gotten into the conversation several times between like rosewood and maple fingerboards mm -hmm. now what i'm curious about uh we'll come back to bodywoods too but on the rosewood maple fingerboard thing the note stops at the fret sort of yes, yes. okay that's where the, that's where the yeah that's where the string so to the two points that the string are touching are the fret and the bridge yeah, yeah. so what i was thinking about and I, I i need you to either straighten me out on this <laughs> or not because i'm sure i'm wrong <laughs> but if that's you know that's the pressure behind the fret and the fret is what creates the sure. pitch right there um the nature of the wood of the neck is only going to really affect the vi the vibration of that whole sequence. Sure. Right. Right. I'll go with you there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this, yeah, this is, this is Ryan's base building one one where like, Wait. I know that there's strings on a base. Nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I got that far. I got that far. <laughs> After 20 years, I finally made it. Um, so then if it's just the fingerboard, that is a different wood how much is that really affecting the vibration i mean i've talked to dudes and they're like now nah, i can hear the difference oh, yeah, like, you can i totally think you hear the difference really yeah i don't know if i can i think you can really i think you you can and you maybe don't know it like you probably do you have like a like a preference at all like do you feel it more at home or like something suits a certain project more i than, don't, like, know don't know why because i think that there's when when the guitar player told me that i suggested it's visual you're seeing a darker wood, so you think the sound's going to be darker. Well, okay. If so you think... A beat them, would you still pick that one without looking at it? Yeah. I think it's almost the power of suggestion sometimes. And that there's like a psychological game involved. No, this way. It's so like one of the cool. Okay. So uh, two, two things. One, um, here's how I like to think about the difference between rosewood and maple mm -hmm. um, is it's not. I know. I guess some people have described it as like one being warmer and one being brighter. Sure. Um, 
you know, because, oh, the open pores of rosewood, blah, blah, blah. But what I, what I th- am hearing is the, um, the way the wood reacts to the sound, right? Because you've got something you're causing to vibrate mm-hmm. and then everything's shaking at a certain frequency, et cetera. Sure. So uh, maple reacts faster. Okay. So it's a faster response to the note. And so you'll hear brighter because it's a it's like more, more instant. Yeah. Okay. And then rosewood is like, hey, I'm going to like, it's like, it's like <laughs> hello, here's your walks note. into a house party. Like, yeah. hey, what's up? I brought some As beers. opposed to the other How guys, like, hello, I brought yeah. some beers. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. And that's trying to sell that's, me insurance. But, but that's why it's better for like slap bass. Sure. Okay. And, and like, it's, it's a, it's a much quicker sound. Like it's you. You don't like if you're trying. If you want to. If you're like, I just want to play slap bass all day long. Mm-hmm. And I gave you a rosewood deck. You'd be like, uh, I don't know what's wrong with this bass. It doesn't really do it for me. Okay. And I gave you a maple neck bass. You'd be like, Oh, I feel at home. This is right. Interesting. Like maybe that's the thing that like. Maybe you're just drawn to things and not sure why or. Sure. Like that's like for certain projects, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. How about some more exotic woods? Um. That I've ebony. How does that that mean? I know that's a really you know, yeah, really hard, hard yeah, one. So, so that's gonna have a really immediate response. It's got immediate immediate see, but there's like a little bit of a warmth underneath, which is nice. It's a very okay. complex. I think that's why it's like the classic. <laughs> it's like on your your uh yeah. Is is base, it the classic? I was thought just maple and rosewood. Oh, I mean like for for you know like violins and oh yeah yeah like on the upright yeah 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 sure. yeah, yeah. yeah so that makes like sense. Fir- it was the first go to I guess, or in my head it feels like a the original. Right. Why do you think that didn't translate to the electric bass the same? Cost of production? I guess so. I want to say just Leo Fender. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like whatever <laughs> whatever Leo was up to. Yeah, yeah, like I don't know why he chose what he did exactly, right. but uh, uh and then you know, when you're drawn to the electric bass, you're also drawn to like sounds of albums that inspired you to become a musician. So sure. you hear those sounds as correct. More. Right. Yeah. On that topic, what what were these sounds for you? And how much of those sounds are a part of your bass building? Like how much know. of that is still permeating so like, what you're doing? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if like I think at this point I'm I'm more I'm not really chasing a sound, really. Like I'm trying to okay. just make the best sounding bass. Just a transparent so, kind of sounding instrument that's comfortable to play and, and versatile. Yeah, but like there's um yeah, if you're using a bunch of different woods, then it's like this is a really good you know, ash maple base. This is a really good rosewood alder base, or or this is a really my personal favorite is maple plus alder. Mm-hmm. So this is a really good you know representation of what that those two woods should sound like, plus the pickups. And there's just like so many variables that like right. Yeah. So what kind of what kind of uh, sound qualities do you notice in alder versus ash? Um, so I feel like I always think of the body wood. As kind of the sounding board for the neck, or so like okay. it's, I think of the neck wood first, and then how does that get affected by the body wood? So why I like maple plus alder is I like the fast like reaction of the note. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit aggressive, but it's a little it could be a little much. Okay, <laughs> showing up at a party like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what up, everybody? <laughs> yes, <laughs> and the maple's like it's. Good. I mean, the alder is it's like good friend. It's like hold up. Like, <laughs> yeah, okay. Like, okay. Yeah, it's like the cool best friend. Like, no, man, yeah. just chill. Hold, hang yeah. back. Okay. Yeah, hold up, and like, yeah. you know, makes everything nice uh, for me. <laughs> that's like my personal thing, but um, it's not for everybody. Uh, I think, I think uh, some people, if they're played that, they might, you know, feel like ah, 
I wanted full, full, like, you know, intensity, not right. like a, a mellowing out afterwards. But so um, when, when you spoke about this, you spoke about the, the immediacy of the attack of the note. What mm-hmm. about kind of the back end of the note about how the note might kind of, you know, balloon out after the initial as soon as you strike the string, you know, like yeah. some can decay super quick. Sometimes they'll kind of balloon out yeah, and then fade out. Do you notice that with different woods, like the wood shaping the back end of the note? I think, I think uh, ideally, like if I'm trying to, if I'm trying to build the, when I'm trying to build the best bass in the world, I want every note to just be like pure and like just a very long sustain and like just natural decay. Okay. Like every note, like that's part of, when I when I test a bass, one of the first things I do is I just like play each note and like usually like hold them and see how long they especially with the, the known dead spot area, you know? Sure. Yeah. Where is that? Where's the known dead spot area? It's usually the G, maybe around six, anywhere between like the sixth and the eighth fret. Okay. Seven. <laughs> somewhere okay. there. But if you play that note on a lot of basses, uh it just the sound is like it can't sometimes it can't it's like it can't escape but it's really mostly, it's it's the resonant frequency of the instrument so hmm. like most uh you know fender style basses will have that problem yeah 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 not uh i mean yeah sadowski did a does a great job at addressing that with um something i i uh didn't jack but well <laughs> inspired you're inspired respecting by, the tradition respecting yeah. the tradition is i have a thicker headstock uh-huh. Just uh, the uh, similar thickness as the, the description on the website was hilarious. It plays right <laughs> in. Hold on, I'm gonna read it. I'm gonna pull it up and read it. This oh is, no, don't do it. <laughs> no, this is amazing. It plays right into the vanity yeah. of but, all bass players. Um, where is it? Oh, yeah, right, right. Quiet high, mass, high mass headstock to prevent dead spots and make you look super cool. <laughs> Which, yeah, great. Yeah, right. Sold. Okay, I'll stand by. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But like, so it's a little thicker, but I also went you know, like one step forward. It was like making a giant, huge, ridiculous, not, not ridiculous, but like yeah. as big a, a big a headstock as I can make that didn't look stupid. Sure. No, like <laughs> that's always kind of a thing is the headstock design. Uh, it's reminiscent of Tyler bases. That's what Roger would tell me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> now, I haven't, I haven't seen a Tyler base in who knows, probably 15 years. But but when I saw it, that was the first takeaway. Yeah, not a I bad mean, thing. Not a no, not a bad base to be likened to. No, not, no. I'm not 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 going to get too frustrated with it. Yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So talk to me about electronics. Uh, what would you like to know? Um, you're using North strands. Yes. Those are the stock on bass. Um, the bases are all passive. No, they're, they're that's what the faders do. Those are okay. the EQ for the. Uh, I use a North strand three band. Okay. Except um, I wired it so it doesn't cut. Okay. The, their stock one does a boost cut. Yeah. Um, eh, I also agree <laughs> with Roger on that. I don't really like I don't really like the cut thing so much. Okay. So I just kind of hacked it. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So what um, like what frequencies are you boosting? So uh, the the bass is boost only at fifty hertz. Oh wow. Treble. Boost only at four kilohertz or KHZ. Okay. And then we got 1K or 400 on the mids. Thank so you. Gotta, Thank you. Gotta, ah, Nobody see? does the 400. Yeah. No, but it's like 500 or 250. Or 800 is my least favorite. Yeah. Right. But 800 is like, I don't want the octave. Like, where's 400? 400 is very nice. Thank you. Finally. Yeah. Finally, somebody gets it. <laughs> 
Well I mean, done. What what fader is that on the base? Because that one's going all the way up. It's the middle one. Yeah, of mid. course. That makes you should, you should you should fuck with them all. You should, you know, like, do like I don't know. Uh, yeah. Put the mids the... mid treble bass, like just just so I when think... someone sits in on your base and they go to mess with it. And... Okay, for might be my for when I build you one. Yeah. I'll build you one of those. Perfect. Make it all completely backwards. <laughs> like the volumes or the tone or the faders. The the volume yeah, will just be the make last it a, pot. Choose your own adventure. I'll have to figure the, this thing out. The, the tone will be the first pot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, top woods. What are you using for top woods? Um, right now, just anything that I think looks cool. So okay. I've been really into burls. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Buckeye and just regular maple. I have got a few orders, about four, I think, in the not two, well, two in the works for a dealer who's getting a stabilized poplar burl. It's like a, I don't know if you ever saw it on Instagram. It was this pink top. Maybe I can't remember. It's kind of crazy. Okay. Into it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hold on. I'm gonna look right now. Looks like space on a base. <laughs> I'm checking this out right now. How how uh, how roughly how how old was the post? Ooh, it might be a little bit ago. I forget. Okay, it's a pink one. Yeah. I see one with like a pink kind of. Uh, I think I probably did a video like a streak like, through it coming off the neck. I see that base. Uh, I should probably should we both look at my Instagram? Yeah. Right <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> this is like one of the most LA things ever, oh, but only geez. one of us is in LA. I take full <laughs> ownership of this. You know what it was? It's a video. So there it is. Uh, it's in a it's in a reel. It's like oh okay, kind of back there, and it's I think I just have it when I don't I don't have the finish finish base. I don't know if you can see that. Yeah, that's the one I'm looking at. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That, okay. Yeah, that's the one I was looking the at the picture. Space in space. <laughs> <laughs> so what am I looking at? What What is this? Oh man, I got open my phone again. Which one? The uh, the, <laughs> the pink. The, the pink. The, uh, it's a double soap, um, and it's going to get a plexi guard, I believe. Okay. Um, and it's got uh, one of the necks that I'm fretting downstairs right now. Actually, it might have already. I think I already put the frets in. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. The um the body shape I I like the body shape actually it's almost re- reminiscent of a jaguar. Yeah, is that but, on but purpose? Like, a little bit because it's a okay. pretty cool shape, but that's, it is. it's a terrible like it's it's a cool looking shape, but the instrument is the ergonomics are horrible of a jaguar. I think so. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm sorry I don't know. I don't anyone who likes it, but yeah. Sorry. Um. Yeah, it's uh it doesn't sit right at all. The neck doesn't even so. Uh, what I did with this is like kind of inspired by that, but um, basically I kind of shifted everything so that the the weight would be offset to behind like your leg when you're playing or like kind of, you know, taking off your left hand a lot when you're standing. Okay. So it would be more the back end of the base by the bridge is going to have the weight instead. Yeah. So it's not falling down with the headstock towards the ground. Of course. Motion. Yeah. 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 Which is terrible. <laughs> it is terrible. It is terrible. Now, how do you take the weight out? Is it? Do you do like micro chambers in the body? So, I do a couple of things. So, like one is like I have the the actual curve at the bottom of the base mm-hmm. is shifted backwards, mm-hmm. and then that way the curve at the top, the base of the top, is shifted also, so that it kind of like naturally wants to lean uh, okay. towards your right hand, and then also like off your leg to the right. Yeah, and then the upper horn. Uh, the the base side horn yeah is extended a bit more mm-hmm. 
and the the belly cut is also extended pretty deep into that. Okay. So it kind of just naturally wants to sit up. Interesting. Yeah. And then of course, um, so I do do some weight reduction uh chambers, but only like north of that like middle line between the two waists. Okay. So it kind of makes it balanced. I can't get a ridiculously light, super, super, super lightweight base. You know, I don't like lightweight bases. <laughs> I played a friend's I probably shouldn't say the company, but I played a friend's Elric, and it was a base that I was really interested in playing. Yeah. And then I went over to a house and I was checking out a base. I'm like, this, this is too light. Okay. So interesting. Like, uh, was it chambered or? I don't know. It was the new Jazz Standard. Okay. I guess. It was one of those. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't a fan as much anymore. I thought it sounded great and the neck felt good and all that stuff. But there's something about the weight I didn't like. And I remember I had, what was that, a Japanese issue Fender P bass. I think it was an 83 that I bought off a friend and I A beat it against like the American Deluxe that mm-hmm. year, whatever year that was that we were doing this. Um, the 83 Japanese issue was heavier, but sounded to me more like a P bass because of the weight. And I, I liked it. I think if I was going to play some um, very exotic wood, you know, a bass that I was going to use almost as a solo instrument, I would want it to be really light to have this airy, really lyrical solo capability to it. For But for bass lines, I think I prefer the heavier bass. Okay. I feel like, I feel like, <laughs> Ryan, you're an idiot. No, you're not an idiot. Here, here, <laughs> it's okay to like whatever you like. That's all. Yeah. That's all good. <laughs> I can't make you like a light bass. A uh, couple things. So I guess just in the we'll start with the lightness, and then I remember to come back to the the 83P bass. But um, <laughs> making got stolen now. by the way. That sucks. Ah, I know. <laughs> so there's two different camps I think of people for like against chambering or like for chambering and and the, both of them are coming at it about resonance mm-hmm. right and so one thinks like a solid you know base a solid piece of wood shaking is better yeah uh, oh you've got air in the chambers it's gonna be naturally more acoustic and like have that own kind of vibe and resonance but it just kind of goes back to the to the um, the maple rosewood Right, it's just like what sound are you drawn to based sure, on like, sure. what you're playing with it. So, right. Yeah, there's that. Okay. <laughs> but then, but then uh, the other thing is like you've got an 83p bass. What year was that again? That you did the test? Like, I it was um, what year was that? Maybe 08. So yeah, it had a lot of. Uh, a and lot the Fender of... Deluxe that year was super light, and that yeah. was one of the big selling points. And he was happy to show it off to me, and specifically. Because it was a P bass, yeah, you know, like the two, the two. I think it lost the the fundamental of the P bass for what I like to experience with a P bass. I can see that. I wonder if they wonder what kind of is it because they use different, like really like crazy light wood. I don't know. Uh, I don't remember. Like you know, every year Fender was doing something new. I couldn't. I don't know what they did in yeah. But like, I'm sure there's some kind of chambering. Some I mean, sometimes people use very light woods and like naturally light woods i tend to really dislike like mm-hmm. a polonia wood or it's like my least favorite body wood really although it's ridiculously light and it looks kind of like ash so okay but for me personally i i just think it sounds terrible but you can make like a seven pound base with that thing i mean the part of that sounds appealing like if you're doing like super long gigs 
uh, you know, and you you don't want shoulder issues or back issues. I understand why someone would want a light base. Yeah. Uh, personally, I would put up with the weight if if I thought it was impacting the sound in a way that I wasn't into. Yeah. Whatever. Just buy a better strap. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. That's, a, that's an easy. That's an easy fix. With all these things you've talked about, do you have a gadgets or software that you run everything through to kind of like get legit data readouts, or is it all just personal preference on feel and stabilities and sonics? So for just the audio stuff, it's I am I am the gadget I run everything through. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Because <laughs> like uh, that's also like part of the uh, the coolest thing about or one of the, a lot of cool things about working at the Sadowski shop, but the ability to have heard like thousands of instruments mm-hmm. and and like kind of heard the difference between this thing went this way and maybe this is why or like this is the wood combination and just like being able to, to listen to it and yeah. like hear the nuance and so but as far as like like geometry of the things of course yeah i, I like I, i'm like i can see three two rulers and a caliper and i'm just at like my computer desk I don't <laughs> tell you how many measurement items i have behind me at my workbench <laughs> it looks like it would be uh a, a fully a stocked bar back there yeah yeah there's a lot a lot of ways to measure something like everything right <laughs> so yes. right yeah oh how many hours a day do you spend sanding uh it depends on the day i don't what, I try... what's an average what's like an average for the week an average for the week uh this is i mean i don't know i would have to say i would probably do a full day at least okay just like eight hours of sanding yeah you I must love it that sounds exhausting i recently spent like four days straight i think sanding a bunch of things it was a lot wow. i try not to do that to myself i try to like be a i try to yeah moderate the yeah like I'm used to running a guitar shop where I'm delegating things. Okay. So I'm also then used to trying to be nice to my like the people I'm delegating to and yeah, not doing yeah. like four hour four days of standing. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, I would be like, all right, do this in the morning, and then here's a fun, you know, this is a nicer project to do. But yeah, right. crank this out all morning before you get it done before lunch. How uh, does like, I mean does that does that have an effect on your your back and your neck and your shoulders? Like standing up all day or sitting all day or being in that? Well, I'm usually standing almost all day. Honestly, like this is probably the longest I've sat down all day. Wow. <laughs> I guess I do sit down at lunch, but that's pretty quick. Like, what, what, how do you how do you just like kind of keep if you're just standing in one space? I mean, I know for me, like if I'm in a project doing something in relation to this or something else, I can easily be in front of a computer for like five or six hours. And like yeah. I have to take breaks. So if I'm in like a really deep practice yeah. session and I'm just like I'm in it, then I, I have the to take time. breaks. Okay. So that's the thing. Like, I guess if I were just sitting in front of a computer, I couldn't do that. Or yeah. just standing in front of a computer, that would be very hard. Right. But like, I'm just walking around the shop and doing stuff all day. All right. And it doesn't wear on you mentally of just being in the same place and like not, not kind of being out. I mean, I, I'd say I'd say get some sunlight, but you're in Portland, so that's that doesn't exist. Maybe it's better that the shop's in Portland. <laughs> um, that's the secret to yeah, the success. I mean, it's, a, it's a little. It's been a little weird this year because yeah. like, normally I, I, uh, yeah, like I think everyone had this when you know everything shut down like sure. during the pandemic. Uh, but I, you know, barely stopped working and I was around people. Okay. This is like my first time I haven't been around people that much. Oh, really? So, what happened? I mean, I just don't have any employees and I'm just in this room. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> so sad. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. 
<laughs> no, it's all right. I uh, but yeah, it's, it's that's the only weird thing for me is just being here by myself. But it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you you started you you left Sadaski and went out on your own. What year? Twenty nineteen? No, I, I was uh, just last year. Oh, last year. Yeah. So during the pandemic. Uh no. What is this? What year is this? Twenty two. Yeah. So so twenty one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So during during the pandemic year, you were building. Were you just creating kind of a backstock, or were you just checking out different design options? Oh, during and like... the pandemic, I was uh, working for Roger. Oh, okay. You're still and over also there. yeah. I I uh, when I left New York City, it was like when I stopped working for Roger. Okay. So last September. Okay. I wasn't. I uh, I went to severe, like not severe, like very, like pretty much part time uh, in April, and so from April to September, I was just trying to like come in as often as possible, but also figure out how to move across the country and right. start my own business, but yeah. like still like putting as many hours as I could at the shop, trying to help everyone out. Sure, uh, get ready to not have me around. I mean, I guess I guess <laughs> the good thing was is like you were fully aware of not only honing the craft and the skill set. But you're fully aware of like what you would need to start your own business as far as machinery and yeah. like how to set up a really strong workflow within the shop and all those yeah. things. That was a big plus. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, yeah. I will I know I wouldn't know, you know, all the tools I would need. Yeah. I mean, it's, I thought I knew everything, but it's like everything you think you know, there's always a better way to do it, you know? So like, but yeah. So have you honed have you honed that process for you in a in a way that it makes sense a little bit more for your workflow yeah i mean when i first moved here or when i first was leaving new york i was doing everything 100 percent by hand uh-huh but now I, <laughs> which was a lot <laughs> yeah right. uh, but now i uh, i learned 3d modeling and um computer uh what is it whatever i learned i learned how to program my robot that cuts things for me okay <laughs> oh you bought the you bought your own robot i brought my own robot nice nice <laughs> yeah so where do you get the robots like where do you get those things i know of them like yeah i'm, I'm tight with dan lakin from lakeland and d lake yeah. bases and like he told me about his stuff but he still sends his out yeah and so, um but it's always fascinating and he told me about the process and it sounds cool and like yeah. just to recalibrate those machines yeah is a whole it's been a lot yeah, so I don't have I don't have a big fancy robot. I've got okay. like the you know the, the the not like a little better than the starter kit. Okay, uh, but like I've got one that's ridiculously precise, but it's not like that that's big, the important part. Yeah, the big one that Dan uses in Montana. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> yeah, that's I forgot. I forgot it was in Montana. Yeah, it's in Montana. Yeah, yeah I was. I listened to uh, his uh, interview the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I know Montana. <laughs> Which one? I know uh, that there's two of them, and I don't. I don't know if I they're like, informative at all. It's just me talking shit to Dan, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> That's all that is. That's exactly how our phone calls go too. And then he's like, "All right, I gotta go." Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's been like the biggest, greatest thing for me too, is because it. I I'm a super precise person, but mm-hmm. if I'm just working with templates and calipers and stuff, I'm not like a a machine that moves like a cutter like to three decimal places of a millimeter right right right. like i am pretty good but geez yeah 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 that's (laughs) that's why robots are taking over the world that's yeah i mean what's cool is like i i have to feed it all the stuff to do yeah yeah. it's like kind of it's almost like i've been training this perfect employee (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) so now back to the faders why the faders is just it was it uh 
a visual decision or do you notice more precision in that? It's uh, just that one is just my own personal preference. Mm-hmm. Like I just I don't know for some reason I I just always liked faders. Okay. So I, mean, <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that they like faders. Oh man, the randomness just, of the of the statement is hilarious. Yeah, I just like, like I like you know, faders. I do. I mean, it also it, also, it makes sense to me because it it's like a very visual like how far on the travel are you? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, and like uh, I was looking back like after I was decided like i think i'm actually i can put faders on this bass and that'd be cool and i was remembering my first guitar that i ever tried to make back in chicago well really like an apprentice or whatever i i tried to build faders into this guitar oh this has always been a this has always been a thing it's always been a thing and then i if i were to to pull out my my i I also rigged it with some faders. really let me see yes do you have it there it's Doug. It's sitting in the back. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, back show you, I'll show you after the. Uh, so okay. To hear me uh, rifling through my cases, but it, yeah, it's right there. <laughs> That's amazing. So the first guitar. What was what was the nature of the first guitar oh, you attempted? It was I don't know what it was. It was like some kind of like actually honestly it was like an offset kind of weird telly looking thing. Okay, just like uh, some. Now you it, built it from. Did it start as a mod? Oh no! It was just or it was like a straight up. Okay. Wood. Yeah. That you got yeah. from how? How did you get the body shape? Uh, did you get a kit? Was it prefabricated at oh, all? Oh no, no, no. So I was apprenticing at the spot that where they okay. were making stuff. Um, not as nice or nearly like to the level of Sadowski, obviously. There's not a. I mean, there's very few. Yeah, that, there's you know. Yeah. So like we we the way we would and I would you know do repairs there, but also a little bit of building, mm-hmm. helping the the guy who ran the shop to to build some of his guitars. Okay. Um, and like so the process there was. Uh, draw it on the piece of wood and take it to the bandsaw. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. So, I mean, that's also how I, until the robot, that's how I was doing all my stuff, except wow. I have templates where I would like take it to the bandsaw, but then flush cut it nicely. So it's this consistent shape and size. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So let's, let's walk through the whole entire building process from start to finish. Currently. Um, on any, if I order a base from you, walk sure. me through the process on how this base starts you have just planks of wood at the shop that will be for the body and separate mm-hmm. planks that'll be for the neck correct and go uh, then what happens <laughs> uh then usually i do uh basically like depending on what you've decided to order i kind of try to make my best match so if there's a certain weight or a certain whatever like if you so i pick the body blank and then i pick the neck blank and i probably will then do a weird thing where i start taking like tiny passes on the uh the joiner yeah just to, to open up and see if that neck blank is, is gonna twist or do anything weird or, or is whatever. there sometimes are they duds is it just not gonna happen yep really? or sometimes there's like a, a weird like dark streak in a stupid spot that just mm. wouldn't look like it should be on a you know high-end base yeah, so yeah unfortunately i can't can't use that guy yeah and then what do you I do start- with it I don't know. I have a pile. <laughs> really? Is, <laughs> I, it, is, about, is it just like firewood, or can you like sell it back to you know? I'm thinking about it, there's a local store. Sell here it to PV. Wood. <laughs> <laughs> hey PV, I got some stinker hey, next for you. I got some better wood than you use. <laughs> <laughs> Check this out. <laughs> I'll just I'll just send it to the free of charge, and they'll just it'll be yeah, like a dead, yeah. A Everybody dead who plays a PV head. just tuned out. By the way. <laughs> My first base was a PV. It's no, I'm not. Oh, no, I'm not I, PV I, shaming. No, I I, uh, I worked on a lot of cool PVs, but um, then I just start gluing things together. 
okay uh, prepping things for the uh the robot yeah and then the robot kind of cuts out the shapes and i do more gluing and then i do more sanding <laughs> yeah it's yeah. Just a lot of back and forth just glue sand yeah glue sand measure and glue sand measure yeah, yeah exactly and so like it gets to the point where i have a you know a raw body that's all shaped and sanded beautifully and i actually send that out to pat wilkins in california mm-hmm. uh, he does a beautiful job and it comes back in a couple months but while that's on the way back to me i'm sh- final shaping the neck okay so like that's actually like probably the the i don't know the heart of the stuff that happens before everything gets put together is the okay work because if you don't have a great neck, you don't have a great. Piece. It it doesn't like inspire you to play. Yeah, like if the <laughs> no. next if the next not cool, then like I don't yeah. care any, about anything else on the base. Yeah, so I, I probably put most of my time is right. like just getting that neck to be as amazing as possible. And then if people come to you with like specific string spacing, do you accommodate that, or do you pretty much just stick to a stock string spacing that your bases are? No, I have like within the realms. Okay. Um, so like five strings, I do three different nut wests, mm-hmm. uh, one and three quarters, one and seven eighths, but also one and 13 sixteenths, which is my favorite. It's the the Goldilocks. It's right in the middle. Not, <laughs> right. not too big, not too little. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, uh, for the bridge on a five, I'll do, you know, 18 or 19. But okay. I feel like 20 would be silly. A little, yeah. And I feel like 17 might also be silly. So I tend not to do those. Yeah. It seems like you're dipping into Ibanez territory there or Yamaha TRB territory if you've ever played one of those like (laughs) string spacing is way too wide for a five string yeah yeah and then the next are massive it's an uncomfortable base yeah i mean if somebody really wanted one and like was certain of it i might i don't know that's the other thing i like to uh if someone has a weird request and it's like because of a, a solid reason yeah i maybe would like to experience a good feeling like five string with a 20 millimeter bridge. I don't know. I could, I yeah, I, I know. Uh, back yeah. to my friend who just had the base made by Federa, his his string spacing was very specific for what that base will be used for. Mm-hmm. So it's not by any means a, a utilitarian base that you just, you know, Swiss knife, Swiss army knife that you just take to all the gigs. Yeah. Like that base has a very specific purpose. So his, yeah. So, yeah, so what you're talking about was something like that. Like this is specific yeah. instrument for a very specific thing. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the the one of the great things about whatever this job is that I have is like <laughs> getting getting to not just do like we asked before, like, am I chasing something? I'm actually mostly just chasing like making this per- like whomever it is who comes to me the the best of whatever they're envisioning, yeah. you know. And so, like, also getting in their head and kind of understanding what they're going for. Sure, it's it's interesting. It's uh, it's, yeah. it's fascinating to me that. The bass player performance ethos that go into building the bass, also because <laughs> I mean it's the same thing, you yeah. know, as a as being on stage with somebody. Like, where are you going, and how can I support that? Yeah, totally, and that's like absolutely the whole thing. I, <laughs> yeah, um, I chose to be a bass maker on purpose. Right, purposely, I'm not building any shredder strats. <laughs> <laughs> is there is there any interest interest to get back into guitars at some point? I not not really. Really? I I just uh I you could you could do anything you want. You'd probably also want to figure out like who you want to work with if you're yeah. you know not in a room entirely entirely alone. Right, right. <laughs> but like so like I chose to to work with someone who chose the instrument of bass. Mhm. It's, it's Oh, with just, Roger? Oh no no no, just oh. uh, bass players. Oh okay. Right? 
yeah, I yeah. Just prefer prefer that. Like, okay, I'm gonna help somebody make something awesome that's gonna be there like once in a lifetime, or hopefully maybe twice in a lifetime. Just yeah. like, their their favorite base, hopefully. Sure. Um, yeah. I don't know. I feel like we have a better like I have a better working rapport. Yeah. Okay. With people who choose base. Okay. Right. How has it been? I was just talking with the guys from Base Magazine. Uh, what day is today? Wednesday? Yesterday. <laughs> uh, it's been a week. Um, yeah. Yesterday, we what, we were like kind of catching up and talking about the pandemic and just talking about the nature of the, the music industry and how the pandemic has shaped it. And How has it been owning a high-end base company on the heels of this thing when the industry is so messed up and i, I mean know. messed up more than it was when yeah. it was already in bad shape i don't know i feel like um at least so like when i also have a weird thing because i i always have been making my own instruments but i haven't been doing it full-time for a while mm -hmm. you know like it's like one year full-time yeah um, congratulations you know, was, by the way that's you. a that's a big i'm sure personal step and you're putting great bases into the world. So thank you thank and you. congratulations. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. So like I could say that from my time at Sadowski when everything shut down, it felt like the world was over. Music is dead. Yeah. What are we going to do with the rest of our lives? Right. I only want to make bases. Please world come back to life. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like it just felt really bad. Yeah. Um, And then when things started opening up again, uh, I was handling the, a lot of the, the sales emails and stuff back and forth okay and i was really like i don't know hopeful like things weren't as bad okay like we're still like yeah I, so being on the ground this. floor there kind of helped get out of the the depression a little bit and watching yeah. people re-engage yeah okay yeah so like it didn't feel hopeless like or at least everyone didn't feel hopeless i know there was definitely like people who like ah, i have to cancel my order and they you know whatever that sure. happens too but it, it didn't feel um no, it didn't feel end of the world. What do you do with the base that you made for somebody and they cancel the order? I mean, at Sadowski, it's easy. Everyone oh, at Sadowski, yeah. At, yeah, at Sadowski, everyone will love a Sadowski and they'll just... Yeah, they'll still, they'll still buy because it's Sadowski. <laughs> I, yeah. I like to feel like someone else will buy. I think I have my first uh, stock base maybe going to be ready in a couple months or month and a half. Really? Other than that, I've just been building for customers. Okay. And so what is what is the stock base? How is it different... Oh, I mean, I, obviously, there's customizations that each customer yeah. will bring to the table. But what is what are the, the attributes of the stock base? So the so a uh, little sidestep. My favorite part of my, or I guess it was one of my. Sometimes it was a little irritating, but one of my favorite parts about the Sadowski shop job was uh, when I was the manager there. I got to pick the specs of every stock instrument. Oh, really? It was like a canceled order, but even if it was, sometimes I changed like a custom spec. I was like, ah, stupid. Let me do this instead. <laughs> <laughs> So I got, I've gotten to design my own custom bases so many times. So nice. like, I, I was like, all right, I'm building a quote unquote custom LEH for myself, essentially. I just went classic. So I went with a matching headstock. Okay. Because um, I just got these new logos that are silver and gold, as opposed to the black and silver ones that I've been using. The new ones are what? Uh, they're silver and gold. Okay. So right now I'm looking at the ones. Well, I see, I see a logo on your website that's silver and gold. Is that the new color? No. Well, it doesn't work well on, on a maple headstock. So I, could I could understand that too. Matching headstock, so right? I was like, I gotta use these. Yeah. <laughs> so it's got. I gotta paint this headstock. Okay. So I like headstock. the matching headstock. Yeah, I think yeah. it's pretty cool. I've only done. Um, I've done one, and in the next like week or two, I'll I'll build my second one, and this will be the third one. Okay. 
Uh, so I went with like a dark, like placid blue, yeah, like, a, like nice. super dark, and just matching headstock alder. Uh, did Murado, which is a little bit of a, it's not a, it's not a true rosewood, but it's got a rosewood look. Okay, um, Murado. I'm not even, I'm not even hip. What? Yeah, uh... so I think some people. There's like five different names. It's like sometimes people call it Palfero. Okay. Um, I've heard yeah. it called like Bolivian rosewood, maybe. Okay, I have never also, heard that. I know uh, Palfero, and I always thought yeah. that that was Brazilian. Oh no! So that's uh, not Brazilian like, rosewood, but it just seems like that's a Brazilian name. Hey, where are you from, Brazil? Uh, yeah, <laughs> like I don't know. Hey, I don't hey. know if that makes me uh, racist because of Pal what Pharaoh's I think about like, rosewood. Don't put me in a box. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, rosewood. Not trying to be uncool. <laughs> Some rosewoods come from India. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. It's, it's true. Yeah. 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 Okay. I got a, I got an East Indian rosewood. Blend yeah, I'm sure you do. I'm working on. <laughs> is there a West Indian, or is uh, it always East? I feel like every time I buy it, it is East, and I think there's something about there's like that a forest there on the East Coast where they all kind of come from. It makes sense. South, East. I, think. I don't know my India India geography at That's all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot, what were we saying? Oh, the stock instrument. So I yes. Did, so it's Murado, but the cool thing about Murado is it kind of looks like Rosewood, but it's got a much like quicker attack. Okay. It's not actually um, a true, like Dalberga is the scientific name for the Rosewoods that were uh, classified a certain way during the CITES Treaty or whatever. But, uh, sorry. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> when did but, Henry uh, VIII show up? I'm I thought sorry. we were still making bases. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're making bases. Cool, okay. cool things that look cool. Um, <laughs> right, great. <laughs> now you're on my level. Let's keep it there. <laughs> anyway, it's it's it looks like a rosewood, but it kind of a little bit is a rosewood vibe, but not really. It's a it's a relative of rosewood. Okay. Um, but it's got a sharper vibe to it. Okay. So it it kind of goes back to like the like it's a it's one step back from my maple alder. Okay. Like. So it's it's like more in the vein of rosewood alder. I see. Kind of in the middle, like the Goldilocks again. Yeah, yeah. So is this is this going to be the the stock wood selections for the the stock bases? Yep. Well, no, not for the stock. For I don't know what I'm going to do for the next ones. I do. Okay. But, uh, this is just something I thought would be kind of cool to build. Yeah. Um, I had uh, when I first uh, hired the robot <laughs> was nice. was training that guy. I didn't want to work on anything for a customer. Yeah. And so I was like, well. I'm going to have to make something at some point <laughs> and stop doing everything myself. 100%. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So I let this, I let the new guy try one and he did a great job. So, okay. Okay. Guy, I just mean the robot. Sometimes I, I talk about the new guy and I'll like be on the phone with my father and I'll make a joke about the robot and say, Oh, the new guy did pretty good today. Yeah. And my dad is like, wait, you hired someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, Joanne, get in here. <laughs> Tell your mother. No, I didn't hire anyone. <laughs> I'm assuming that's actually your mother's name, Joanne. Oh yeah. Okay, because that's also probably the best name to yell For across the house. No, 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 yeah, no, Joanne. <laughs> <laughs> that has to be the best name to yell across the house. What's it's the robot's the, name? Have you named robot? That's the most uh, common question I get from of people. Of course, yeah. And I just, you know, I'm waiting for the robot to tell me. To know. And the robot is very literal, and it's like, shut up, I'm a robot. <laughs> have you seen all my ones As and they zeros? Are. Yeah, right. <laughs> kind of, kind of a square bunch. The robots. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> the the first thing I did though, when I got it, before I even knew how to run it, I put a NASA sticker on it. Okay. Sometimes, sometimes people come in and they're like, oh, "Is that really from NASA?" It's like, no, no. <laughs> Say yes. Just but, start saying yes. 
Like, yeah, <laughs> duh. What do you think? I'm building bases and I don't have NASA equipment? Of course. Yeah. You know how you measure these things? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this. Have you seen my Instagram? There's space. Of course, this is NASA. I'm sponsored. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm funded by NASA to of build these instruments. <laughs> What's the fascination there with uh, space? Has that been a thing your whole life with space? It's, and it's kind of a thing my whole life. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. It's, it's also, you know, sometimes it's, yeah. Does base building tap into that with uh, mathematics and the universe on a, you know? I mean, base building is uh, surprisingly, it it doesn't have to be. Anyway, the way I do it is super scientific and weird and pretty nerdy. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I feel like it has to be because before it's an instrument, it is a product of mathematic cuts and sandings and things fitting together. And it's. Yeah, you know, long before the pickups are in it or anybody plays it to make music with it, it's just a response to math. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and it's like a series of, um, yeah, a series of measurements that like you can shift one way or the other, and then they all add up to something that maybe didn't work or does work. And like if you keep track of those measurements, you can repeat it or you'll change it for the better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How many how many bases do you think fell by the wayside because they just didn't? It wasn't it. And oh, gosh. do you keep working them until, like, do you just discard the base and be like, yeah, that one didn't work, starting again? Or do you try to really work it this out and see uh, if if it still has some longevity so, in it? I mean, I haven't uh, made that many, uh, like, LEHs that I would have, I hope. I, mean, I, don't have, I haven't had anything that just fell by the wayside yet. Okay. At you know, Sadowski, there's a larger volume. Nothing fell by the wayside. Yeah. Uh, everything's wonderful there. But sometimes a neck wouldn't uh, resonate with the body correctly. You yeah. Know? Like sometimes I, that's what I was going to ask. Just because these are, yeah, yeah, because it's so organic, there's nothing you can do. They just, they're not friendly. Yeah. yeah. Or sometimes, you know, yeah, sometimes they just don't. The, like if you're listening to the notes, it'll like sometimes a note gets kind of just swallowed by the way the bass vibrates. Hmm. So. Uh, then you just pair them off with a different body <laughs> for a different and neck. hope that that uh, yeah. that does it. Or sometimes it's just like it's a bad seed. Uh, occasionally there would be a bad neck, maybe, but okay. not really, it would just be like something that needs to be like worked over. Okay, um, so it wouldn't get like thrown out. It would be all right. Put this here. Work on it when you have a little bit more time. Yeah, yeah. We'll yeah. put that back burner pile. Yeah, we'll I mean, because necks are so tricky. That's like the heart of it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But nothing. No. No bad necks. Nothing wrong. <laughs> All right. All yeah, right. Just say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ellis, this has been fantastic. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks so much. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Take it easy, Ellis. <laughs> Take care. Bye. Bye. All right, all right, all right. That was my talk with Ellis Hahn of LEH Guitars. So there's a couple takeaways here, right? I mean, I have several rants about robots in general. Uh, I don't think I'm necessarily going to go down that rabbit hole right now. Um, So let's go back. Let's go back to the Maple versus Rosewood portion of the conversation. The way Ellis described that, I really dug. Uh, For me, it's a really succinct way of thinking about it. And, and that cleared up that cleared up some things for me. I um I process it like that now. 
Uh, that was that was great. That was a wonderful explanation. And thank you, Ellis, for that. Stop by lehguitars.com and lehguitars on Instagram. You can also stop by the underscore base underscore shed on Instagram. Uh, as always, folks, as always, thank you so much for listening. That uh, that about wraps it up for this one. I'll catch you on the next one, folks. I'll catch you on the next one in a minute.